You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Roberta Marshall. Roberta, thanks so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. Roberta, you're in New York City now. We're talking on the 10th of August, so we're still in this kind of pandemic fog. Um, We're going to talk about your work, your art, and and your writing, but I feel like I should ask you, how are things just right now? You're in the city. We're in this kind of strange moment in time. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, the world is a complete shit show. Um, You know, we did, you know, the governor resigned. I'm I'm happy about that, but... um, I just moved to Prospect Heights. I'm super in love with this neighborhood, and uh, so yeah, I'm I'm okay for the moment. Um, okay, yeah, things are good. And, and let's talk about what you're working on. Your had a recent show. Um, yeah, as an artist, but also you're uh, a writer. So we can talk about either to be I'm all over the place, and we'll you know we'll try to get get that in. But I've been working for 15 years. Um, on a biography of uh, Carlos Castaneda. I don't. Do you know? Do you know him? Sure, sure. The Yaki way of knowledge. Yeah, because some people I mean, will. My, my, my naive knowledge not. of him is, you know, kind of writing about exploring drug experiences, and I don't know if it was apocryphal, yeah. but wrote a whole book when he was uh, in an altered consciousness or stoned or something like that. Well, well, so so he claimed um, the whole thing. Um, you know, <laughs> to put it, you know, in a kind of crude way, it was all it was all um, a hoax. But I've been very long interested in things that deal with borderlines between um, fiction and nonfiction, and how do we know something is real? Um, and th- those are things that actually connect to my to my visual work too, where I'm pretty consumed by questions of perception and doubt, which Carlos was also interested in. Um, the, the, the big hook, though, is that he also started a cult where he manipulated a lot of these things about um, uh, the shifting nature of, of, of perception and how we know what, what is really true. And it ended up with a whole group suicide. Um, I've been working on uh, on it yeah, for a really long time, and now uh, my my publisher is um, yeah busting my chops to get the word count down. So yeah, so let's, I'm, let's I'm talk about that because it, it sounds things. like Carlos uh, Castaneda you know relates to the, the window or the lens through which you're seeing yeah your writing and more. Um, should we talk more about the biography as it as it relates to your writing and art because it sounds like as you say everything's tied together and. Uh, I don't really know much sure. about Carlos oh, I certainly don't know that he has a, had a cult or anything like that. Well, I'll, I'll just try to jump into it. Um, he really came out of, um, although he claimed to have gotten all this knowledge from a, a yaki sorcerer, uh, you know, a shaman and so forth, what it really was was a reworking of kind of radical theories of, in anthropology and sociology that, you know, are not unrelated to, um, to deconstruction that call into question um, all kinds of assumptions. And uh, one of his central tenets, which came to him from uh, the sociologist Harold Garfinkel, who was his mentor, that's a whole other story, was that what reality is, it's an agreed-upon description of the world. And that's something that can be taken very far, and there's a lot of truth to it. The, you know, the United States is something everybody agrees on. If, it, if we didn't, 
it wouldn't exist. So it's a story that people tell us, we tell ourselves. Um, and uh, yeah, it's true of money, it's true of pretty much anything in society, really, where Carlos, you know, took it into the realm of madness was saying that tree is there because we all agree that it's there. And if we come up to a, diff- a different agreement, it's, um, yeah, it's something else. It's, uh, it's a duende, it's a spirit, it's, uh, it's something from another dimension. Um, and what's become really relevant right now is we're living in a country where when people hear repeatedly something that's completely fictional, completely bullshit, but they're hearing it, from from everyone, you know, that whatever, COVID is a hoax or Trump won the election, you can get people to become absolutely certain that that's true. So that, that's part of it. Where it relates to the visual thing, it's just, you know, one of my, my mottos, which actually kind of came to me on hallucinogens, uh, was doubt, doubt is my method. Um, just I'm really interested in those kind of moments where um, you you think that you have seen something, but then if you look at it from a little bit of a different angle, it's something else, and you become aware of your own processes in creating what's in front of you. And that's, that's what the show at Participant with the mirrors and uh, Bardo Road was, was really focusing on. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. So let's talk about some of the pieces in that show and how they kind of manifest sure. that or do that because, yeah, that does make sense. But, yeah, I'd like to hear about the work itself and how it pushes that kind of agenda sure. or, or, or thesis forward. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, well, I had been working um, – I started working on mirrors really long time, like in the 90s, um, kind of by accident. I, I just always had this idea of, you know, you want to bring the viewer into the work. I saw, you know, something in a group show with some text in it in the mirror. I was like, I'm going to do that. And it was all about, for me, things about queer identity at, at, that, at that point. Um, then I just got really fascinated by these kind of spaces that could be created in not in a kind of blunt raw mirror but in a slightly occluded one where there's where's this kind of fog to it um and i you know i always you know just compulsively take photographs many of the images in that show are based on pictures just taken out of car windows or train windows where i'm trying to not just depict but hopefully embody that kind of moment where you're on the train, maybe you're going to New Haven, I don't know, and you're seeing what's going past you, but you're seeing your face too, where you're an active player in what's in what's out there, which I think in the landscape, right? Your is, face is literally in the landscape in a sense. Yeah, and we we tend to edit that stuff out. You know, because we, the way you right. usually, you know, see things in, in an exhibition of photographs or paintings, it's just this fixed moment. But I don't see things in the world that way. My eyes are always moving. The light is moving. There are conditions. So, yeah, that's, that's what was going on there. So should I blab on? Or? 
Yeah, you could. So we're talking about a kind of, I mean, before it sounded almost like a liminal state. Now you're talking also, uh, you know, where where we're kind of between almost worlds. In this case, it's not actually about being between worlds. You're talking about this sort of self-editing, like the editing we do because we blink all the time and we don't see little little dashes of flashes of black on a regular basis. We see a, a kind of continuous image, it seems. Right. That, that, that's what you're talking about, right? Which is a little bit different than the space you were talking about before. Well, they're, they're connected. Say, um, uh, you know, I'm looking right now, I'm looking out the window of this new apartment, and there's this, this lovely ivy out there that's kind of moving in the wind and it's getting dark. Um, if I took a photograph of that, that's representing this it, this kind of stillness, which um, is to me it's, it's very beautiful. But it's a, there's a, an element of fiction to that kind of fixedness of in the image. So I'm, what I'm kind of trying to do is have it both ways. And just did you see the show participant? Yes. No, no, I, I didn't see that show. Yes. Yeah. No, oh, okay. I looked through it, but yeah. I haven't seen it. I, in, I know the images from it. And seen, there may be images in this sure. article or links to it so people can see more. Yeah. yeah it, it's a, some things are hard to describe, but I wanted these mirrors to both be, you can look at them at first and it's like, oh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a picture of a tree. There's, a, there's this very large scraggly tree at the back of the gallery. But if you stand there for a second, it's going to shift. And if you're, you move a little bit or somebody walks into the gallery or there kept being these, like there's a school bus that would go by and then the, the, the color of it changes. So, yeah, I'm just, what, what, what is actually the subject is never the, you know, the supposed thing out there. But the, the it, it's perception itself. It's trying to make the viewer aware yeah. of their own, their own perceiving, Thank like you. watching the watching almost. Correct. Yes. Yes. That's totally what um, what I'm after. And then th- there were also because yeah, we had this um, pandemic situation, and um, I had begun. I started studying dance um, about four years ago, which was for me. Very much also an exploration of gender because it was about you know doing things with my body that having you know grown up you know coded as a boy I was yeah my sister got to take ballet I didn't you know things like that um, and I had done a, a, my first video right before the February right before the pandemic um, and uh, that was in the show. And then I ended up having the show was supposed to be the you know June of 2020, and then I had a whole extra year, um, and I was doing this stuff as everyone was on Zoom, um, and probably in part because I set a really crappy camera. Um, I, I was meeting with this group of people that where we were doing these dance performances, interactive dance things, you know, in our tiny little apartments. Um, and this thing started to happen where the figure, namely me, basically, would be flickering in and out of the 
kind of, you know, you can manipulate the environments, and we were messing around with the kind of environments that you could create, which would be, oh, it's a picture of whatever, Mars or something, but it's also your apartment. So there's this flickering between different, um, yeah, different realities, as Carlos Castaneda would say. Um, and then the figure, in the videos, the figure is real, it's me moving as opposed to the viewer moving, which is what it is in the, in the, in the other photographs. And and so so yeah so keep going on um, that that relates in a, in a sense also to to the whole theme that that we're talking about of course which is levels of perception right right uh, and this is, uh, yeah I mean, that's, that's more about the body like, itself or which, and, and it's also maybe more about gender there's a number of things happening there but. Um, Oh, right, the same, the same well, issue. But, but gender is also a, it's one of those descriptions of the world where, you know, we, we really love to think, oh, you know, I am this or you are that, or we, we did for, you know, a few thousand years maybe. But um, uh, it's uh, really important to me to, to call those things into question. Any kind of certainty, I'm pretty much against it. Okay, so that, that's a great place to, to take off to, I mean, because we're talking about your, your visual art and also your writing. Um, yeah. Against, against certainty. We're in an era that's also sort of yeah. like, I mean, I hate to say this sort of post-fact, but I've said it more than once, this, this how do we find the truth, this, you know, I, I just interviewed um, yeah. a woman the other day who was, a, you know, a virologist and, and a doctor and a poet, amazing person. She was talking about how... Mm. Uh, how I want to hear that. In a sense, how slippery the truth is, and how um, I mean, she didn't use those words, but how people have to be taught kind of literacy and how yeah. to and how to see, how to read, how to understand, how to how to right. decode what's what's out there. Um, how do you right. see your work exactly. in that context? Because we're talking about a number of layers here. We've already discussed a number of layers, but then there's it's 2021. It's a pandemic. Trump was just president. We're in this kind of Orwellian time where, um, you know, as you said at the beginning of the interview, if you say something over and over, people will start to believe it. That's, that's a very Orwellian kind of idea, right? Just keep saying the chocolate totally. rations have increased. And even if they haven't, people think they have increased, you know, or they will soon. So how does that oh my God, there's, fit in there's, with, I mean, there's with a, a huge body of experimental evidence about that, backing that up, that you can get people to believe they're seeing things that aren't there. You know, if the group around them says, you know, it's blue, they'll start agreeing, you know, that the orange wall is blue. But, but to go to the center, I think, of your question, where I come down on this is, first, America needs a class in epistemology, because people got no idea how to, you know, figure out what, um, what, what is true. And I... I, I'm down on the side of, of pragmatism, basically, um, which is ultimately it's does it work? Does it, is it, does it function in the world? Because we're never, and as I'm sure you're interviewing, discovering, you know, the absolute final truth. It's about coming up with the best, and I'm, not, I'm speaking as a layperson, hypothesis that, that works and Functions and the problem with lies is 
you can get really far with it, but ultimately it's going to run up against a wall where it's not going to work. And you're going to, for example, find yourself in the ICU where the, you know, the theory that you heard on Tucker Carlson um, uh, you know, about uh, whatever the hell he's you know, espousing, um, uh, that uh, it, it's all a hoax, that's not going to function. You know, it's going to, yeah, could kill you. I think I can say it better. Because um, I was talking about pragmatism as a kind of philosophy for my, my approach to truth. Um, and basically, the way I understand pragmatism crudely is, you know, we have different maps. If you can think of a statement about the world that, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, the virus is real, the virus isn't real, whatever. Trump won the election, Trump doesn't, as a map. And uh, you can get, you know, people to believe a map that shows that, um, you know, Maine is next to um, uh, Mexico. You know, if everybody tells you that, you know, a thousand times, you'll believe it. But at some point, you're going to try to walk across the border between Maine and Mexico, and it won't be there because the map doesn't work. So my theory of truth is, you know, we all see the world differently. We're looking at things from different perspectives, like the Kurosawa movie. But we never will never know that you know almost anything certainly anything about the past is absolutely true because people remember things differently but at some point if something is not true it's not going to work does that does that help I think so. I think so. Um, <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you reckon a concept like, like, like God with that? How, how would you reckon a concept like God or, or, or you know? You're, you're asking about how do I reckon about God? Yeah, in, 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 a, in a, with, a, with a rationale like that, you know, if um, that, that how would you eventually well, well, find I, out whether I'm actually reading, he or um, she exists or doesn't exist? You, you I'm reading William James right now because, um, you know, I'm that, I'm that kind of gal. Um, the Varieties of Religious Experience. And uh, I, I love his take on, on religion, which is essentially that, um, you know, if it works for you, you know, do it. Um, I, I, don't, I think it's kind of scary if somebody is, like, absolutely certain you know, that God exists, or conversely, you know, and I'll probably get in trouble for this, because my, you know, people I know are such devout atheists, but, um, you know, to be, in, you know, an absolutist about these things that are, you know, all we know is we're really little. We really don't know too much. We're in this absolute, vast, friggin' unfathomable universe. So, um, you know, if you're... If you have a faith that, um, you know, functions for you and um, helps you make sense of things, you know, good, go for it. Is that... I like that. I like that. that. I, I, I like that he's thinking that, too, and, and that is a nice way to see that type of reality. That is, it is your own reality. You're making your own reality. If that works, then... then that's yeah, valid. well, yeah... I think, 
you know, I think that what William James would say is, you know, we don't know. You know, if somebody, you know, he's just saying these people report, you know, and certainly in his time it was extremely common. It still is, but maybe not in my social group. People have mystical and visionary experiences. And when I started working on this Castaneda book, I interviewed people, you know, not necessarily, you know, Castaneda followers, but people who had extraordinary you know, out-of-body experiences. And I just take that as evidence. I'm not saying everything is evidence. I'm not saying I know absolutely that it's true. But I'm not going to just, I don't have the absolute divine knowledge to just say. I'm with you, but evidence on what? On the the presence of Well, say somebody um, says that they, you know, I guess the most obvious example is people who... um, talk about, you know, they're dying and they, you know, they see, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever, the, the great light, or they, a lot of people will, you know, hover above their bodies and so forth. I don't, I, I want that to be true. I don't know that it's true, um, but I'm not going to engage in this kind of automatic dismissal of it because it doesn't, you know, make sense according to some kind of, you know, positivist view of the world. Um, it's, I think there's just, there's a lot out there we simply, we, we don't know. And that doesn't have to be this like, oh, I believe in every, you know, kind of woo-woo thing. I think about quite a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I'm, I, I take things on, I have to take things I, I'm going to assume what people are telling me is true until, in, in the course of working on this biography, until it conflicts with another narrative. And it's a very careful kind of judging and assessing. And I'm just wary of absolutes in, in that way. I like that. That makes sense to me. Um, thank you. And I want to ask you one more question. What are you reading? At sure. What are you reading? Oh God! Well, I just told you I was I was I was actually reading um, William James. Can, can I talk about a book I'm reading that I don't? I'm kind of heat reading oh, right sure. now. Oh sure, right, right, right. You're reading the writings of religious experience. Yeah, no, no, I'm not heat reading yet. that. Um, I'm reading um, Annie Annie Arnaud. She's a French writer and a lot of acclaim, and people have recommended her. But oh my God, I just think she's really smug and racist. Um, but I'm I'm going to finish it anyway. So. <laughs> and what was what's her book? Um, what, what is that? The one I'm reading is called The Years. Um, oh, yeah, it's it's gotten a whole lot of attention, you know, among people who read French books. Interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, Roberta. I just want to thank you for talking with me today, and I wish you well with um, yeah, your writing and your work. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Brainerd. That was really fun. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.